So much can happen in a year, in a lifetime, in a day. Even after all this contemplation of time, linear time, seasonal time, Dorgan's time, it is still a strange, unfathomable thing. Time expands and shrinks depending on the intensity of our activity and seems to be suspended completely in moments of devastation and in moments of bliss. But mostly, the world keeps turning, the sun and moon keep rising, and life goes on while our sorrow and joy and hope and memories live on too. Our grief goes on, the alchemizing of our grief goes on, our unfolding, unbecoming, returning goes on. I'm not done shedding ash, slowing, listening. This is also kokoro work, part of my life's work, and tending to it is the ultimate self-care. This past year hasn't made me stronger, it has just made me realize that I was already stronger than I knew. The taller I stood in my vulnerability, the longer the shadow of strength that fell behind me. We have agency, but we are not in control. We have to take risks and love deeply and soak up the sweetness of life wherever we can because we never know how long we have. The only thing we know for sure in any given moment is this. We are here. We are alive. We are the lucky ones. Each morning we wake up, we have the chance to remind ourselves, I get to have this day. We don't know how many more times we will get to do this. Maybe thousands, maybe hundreds, maybe only a few more times. Doing time or being time, wasting time or making time, we get to choose. I know what I'm choosing. More love, more laughter, more life lived in the awareness of the wildness and magnificence of all of it. Right here, right now. How about you? Welcome to the Calm Christmas Podcast Series 3, Episode 10, Winter Song. Gratitude and Reflection. I'm your host, Beth Kempton, and those were a few words there from my new book, Kokoro, Japanese Wisdom for a Life Well Lived, which will be published on April the 4th, 2024. So I guess that's a world exclusive because no one has had a peek inside it yet. You can pre-order it now, just saying, on Amazon and from all good independent bookshops. It's called Kokoro, K-O-K-O-R-O. Here we are, completing another circle around the sun. We've clambered across the fabric of another year, stitched together adventures, stories and memories, darned the holes as neatly as we could, knotted threads of new colour into our lives. And now we are at the edge, looking back across all we have woven in the past 12 months. This is a wonderful time to focus on gratitude, to reflect on the year gone by, choose what to leave behind in this year, and to cross the threshold of the year together with hope, with dreams, and a steaming cup of tea. Today I thought I'd share some tips from my book Wabi Sabi, Japanese Wisdom for a Perfectly Imperfect Life, to help you with your dreaming and scheming. 
Accepting that everything is imperfect, impermanent and incomplete is not an excuse to throw caution to the wind and avoid any kind of planning. For me, the opposite is true. Smart scheduling can help us prioritise what really matters, make more space in our lives for experiencing beauty and ensure we are making the most of every day we have. A well-lived life is a constant dance between dreaming and doing. The important thing here is not to obsess about perfect planning. You cannot know what's around the corner, so over-planning can lead to unnecessary stress when things change. It's about making a few key decisions so you don't lose your days to the whims of others. So, for part A of this perfectly imperfect planning process, which I call the brain dump, you will need sticky notes, several sheets of large paper and a pen. Gather every single notebook, diary, list, note or reminder that is currently active as a way of reminding you to do things. And then on several large sheets of paper, write a heading for each of the key areas in your life. Family, work, hobbies, health, friends, finances, home, whatever themes are important to you in your life. Then go through each of your to-do lists, reminders, diary, notebooks and all those things in turn and write one item that you need to do on one sticky note and then stick that sticky note under the most relevant area. Keep doing this for every single item on your to-do list. Now, it might take you a while, but if you've got long to-do lists, this is going to help you untangle it. So you write down any and every task that requires time and attention from you. And then when you've finished, have a look at which areas of your life have the most sticky notes underneath them. Um, and see what this tells you. Are there any surprises? Then part B, the possibilities. Now imagine your life five years from now, at a point where you feel content and inspired. Of course, we can't actually know the timeline of any of our dreams, but sometimes putting an idea of a time on it can help you make important decisions to take you in that direction. So imagine your life five years from now and then make some notes using the following prompts. How old are you five years from now? Where are you living in your imagination, in this vision that you see? What are you doing? Be as specific as possible, maybe describe one particular day. And what do you look forward to each day? When things are going really well, how do you feel? And what are you grateful for in this five years from now? vision of yourself and your life and then part c is the shift in order to make that dream a possibility whatever the timeline actually is change is inevitable and essential so you can use these questions to help you identify what kind of changes might be involved or what kind of changes might be needed so first of all what needs to be different by this time next year, in order for this dream that you've got to be even a remote possibility seven years from now? Do you need to have quit something, started something, learned something, tried something, ditched something? Have a think about that. How would you like to describe yourself a year from now? So when you're on the way towards this dream, how would you like to describe your home? A year from now? 
how would you like to be able to describe your work life a year from now? How would you like to be able to describe your finances a year from now? And what would you like to have created a year from now? Take some time to journal those things and then come back. Now, part D is the prioritising. In my experience, the single most important shift you can make to soulfully simplify your schedule is to think in terms of projects, not tasks. A project is something that has a defined beginning and an end. And of course, there is a danger in projects because you can get caught up in the cycle of them and always working on one project or the next and never properly stopping to celebrate or um, just getting caught up in the cyclical nature of them. And you have to be wary of that. But also, when you think of things in terms of projects rather than individual tasks, it gives meaning to the things on your to-do list. So, for example, um, you might have a career change project or a write my book project or wedding project if you have to organise a wedding, for example. It's a way of focusing your attention on something that really matters to you. What I encourage you to do is to choose a maximum of five projects, ideally actually only three, but a maximum of five projects that you want to bring to life in the next 12 months. Now, they shouldn't all be in the same area of your life. So don't have five work projects, don't have five home projects, don't have five family projects and nothing else. Try and have a variety, yeah? And you don't have to start them all at the same time. They can be spread over the next 12 months. And then part E, the realignment. Now go and get five fresh pieces of paper and big pieces of paper like we started with and write each of your projects as the heading this time. Then go back to your sticky notes that you've got stuck all over those pieces of paper from the beginning of this exercise and reallocate them onto your project sheets. See how many sticky notes you've got left behind that are nothing to do with the main projects you want to bring to life in the next 12 months. It's so interesting to see this and see how committed you are or how committed you have been until this point to things that are nothing to do with the life that you want to be living. And of course, at this point, we bring in part F, a new way of planning. You need to deal with those remaining post-it notes in some way. You can make a plan to finish those things to delegate them, um, to pay someone else to do them or to forget about them if you realise that actually they've got nothing to do with the life that you want to be living. Of course, for ongoing household chores and things like that, it can help to bundle them and then just deal with them all at once. Um, And then you can revise your weekly schedule to ensure that you're spending a significant amount of time working on the projects, the three projects, the five projects, whatever you've identified, that really matter to you. So this year, this coming year, instead of trying to squeeze your dreams in around the edges, why not diarise your projects first and plan everything else around that? So if you want this written down, that um, imperfectly imperfect planning Technique is in my book, Wabi Sabi, Japanese Wisdom for a Perfectly Imperfect Life. I do hope that you will approach your planning gently this year, knowing that we are still deep in winter, in hibernation mode. You don't have to do all the things that your plan requires now. That is what spring is for, in my opinion. For now, you can just enjoy luxuriating in the idea of it. 
And while you do that, why not, instead of a to-do list, make a could-do list for these slower days? This idea of a could-do list is inspired by a regular feature in the gorgeous magazine Simple Things. Here's an example from an old winter issue. Have a baking day and fill your biscuit tin with homemade treats. Pull on some thick wool socks and go for a welly walk with toasty toes. Spend an afternoon listening to a talking book and remember the joy of a grown-up reading you a story. Claim an early night and retire to bed with a cup of tea and the radio before 9pm. I wonder what might be on your could-do list in the remainder of this beautiful slow time around the new year before you dive into your new projects in the year ahead. For our craft project this week, I actually have two suggestions for you. Firstly, why not make a gratitude board, kind of like a reverse vision board. Instead of trying to capture what you want to bring to life in the future, you can capture your year on a board and take some time to be thankful for it. And the reason this is a really good thing to do at this time of year is because gratitude is, of course, just a really good thing anyway, but also it makes you recognize and acknowledge all the things that you have brought to life and experienced and survived and managed to do in the year gone by. And that recognition of your own capacity, your own commitment, your own dedication is really important as a springboard for the things that you might want to bring to life. And speaking of gratitude, I would like to take a moment to thank you, not just for listening I'm so glad that you listen, of course, but for the many of you who've got in touch with me after listening and sharing what this podcast has meant for you, or of course, told friends about it and encouraged them to listen. I have received so much love in DMs, emails, and even in the post, and it has been a real joy. If you've left a review or rating, thank you so much. It really helps other people discover the podcast. If you haven't done that yet, please do. Five starry stars would be nice. Um, You can just go to the app uh, where you find the podcast and click on your rating. The more ratings and reviews that we have, the easier it is for people who don't know anything about me or this podcast to trust it and give it a go. So thank you for helping spread the news of the possibility of a calm Christmas and a happy new year. I appreciate it so much. And then the second craft project I wanted to share with you uh, this week is just the idea of decorating a notebook to hold your dreams for the year ahead. So once you've done the exercise and come up with your three to five projects that you want to dedicate your year to or focus on in the coming year, then you can keep a notebook for all of the progress and ideas and inspiration for those projects. Why not begin the year by decorating it? So it's something really beautiful you want to hold in your hands and you can't wait to get back to each time. Now, I don't know about you, but I am a lot less about the parties these days than I used to be when I was much younger at New Year. I prefer to get an early night on New Year's Eve and wake up early, welcoming the year with a candle, my notebook and a crisp walk as the sun rises. I do love bells, though, that are often associated with New Year at midnight. Um, I love these words from Alfred Lord Tennyson's poem, Ring Out Wild Bells, which you can find in Favourite Poems for Christmas, a child's collection. 
This is just one of the verses. Ring out the old, ring in the new. Ring happy bells across the snow. The year is going, let him go. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Oh yes, ring out the false, ring in the true. Absolutely. Let's take a look at some of our traditions for New Year from around the world. When I was little, we used to go outside on New Year's Eve carrying saucepans and wooden spoons and bang them together on the stroke of midnight, making all sorts of noise. I grew up in the port town of Southampton, where the Titanic left from, and we would always hear the foghorn of the QE2 or other cruise ships docked in the port, blasting through the sky as the year turned. There was something about the ship's calling that felt like a call to adventure, the promise of a big wide world out there beyond the sea. Here are a couple of traditions lovely listeners have shared with me this year. Michelle de Vries said, We used to live in Peru when I was little, and since then we've held on to the tradition of eating 12 grapes at midnight on New Year's Eve, each of them representing one of the months to come, and bringing good luck. At Victoria Versus said, I grew up in the northwest of England. One of my favourite traditions was actually a New Year one that I learnt from my grandparents, one memorable year when we stayed with them. It was so exciting. Our parents were out at a party and we got to sleep over and stay up till midnight. When we got to the big moment, Grandma got us all togged up in our warm clothes and sent us out the back door. We were carrying salt, bread and coal as good omens for the new year. Grandad in his flat cap led us up the garden and out of the back gate. We walked round the estate to come out at the front of the house. We knocked on the door as the clock chimed midnight and Grandma welcomed us back in with kisses and treats. There's a photo of us all standing on the doorstep and it's absolutely gorgeous. The joy on our faces as we looked at Grandma and wished her Happy New Year. I've since learned that in Scotland this ritual is called first footing, that the salt is to bring flavour, bread so we'll never be hungry and coal so we'll always be warm. I insist we do this every single year now and I send my husband out grumbling into the night. My son will be seven this year and I'm hoping he makes it to midnight so I can take that same photo. I absolutely love that and it's actually while I'm reading it I'm thinking maybe I won't go to bed so early on New Year's Eve this year. Maybe I'll stay up and keep my children up and maybe we'll do that. Thank you Victoria. What a gorgeous thing to do. And so it's time for our Nature Corner. Your invitation this week is to stargaze. This is a time of dark skies, bright stars, a shining moon. And of course, because the air holds less moisture in the cold winter than in summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, skies are often clearer. According to the Wild Handbook by Emily Thomas and James Weston Lewis, the sky is a kind of doorway to infinite space. And contemplating this, we start to feel humbled. Each of us is important individually, of course, but we're also all part of a vast universe. Remembering this as we turn our faces up to the sky reminds us that we are part of the collective human race, each of us bringing something unique to life on Earth. For a brief time, we can let go of the need to control what happens in our lives. Stargazing encourages acceptance and a community spirit. It quite literally helps us see the bigger picture. I'm obsessed with astro apps like Skyview and Starwalk 2. I don't know if you know them. You can just point your phone at the sky and it draws a picture of which constellation you're seeing 
as well as pointing out planets. And if you point your phone at the ground, it tells you what constellations are in the sky on the other side of the world. It's just amazing. My children love it. So if you're going to do this, prepare yourselves with warm clothes, a hot drink, a fully charged phone and perhaps some stories for a magical evening outdoors. And for your garden, here are some tips from the Thompson Morgan Gardening Newsletter. You can plant tulips and daffodils as late as the end of January. That way they'll develop roots through the spring and bloom later than usual. Keep in mind that bulbs planted in late January may have smaller blooms. But on the other hand, planting bulbs in the winter can have a protective effect on bulbs. The ground will freeze faster after planting, which protects the bulbs from hungry squirrels. Here are some tips from them to keep in mind if you're planting bulbs in late winter. Improve your chances of bulbs blooming early and robustly by covering them in plastic and chilling them in the refrigerator until they sprout. This process can actually take up to three months and then those bulbs can be planted in late spring. Don't let snow scare you off from planting bulbs. You can brush the snow away and dig. The ground is only frozen on the surface. Hmm, I didn't realise that. If you can't plant your bulbs right away after buying them for whatever reason, or if, like me, you've got some left that you didn't get around to planting yet, you can store them in a cool, dry place. And if you submerge them in water, it will prevent them from drying out. That's so interesting. I would have thought it would have rotted them, but apparently not. I also wanted to share some indoor plant inspiration with you from the wonderful book Living Plantfully by Lindsay Harrod. Lindsay actually took my book proposal masterclass a while back. So it's been so lovely to see this idea develop and now to be able to hold this book in my hands, published as it is traditionally in a gorgeous dark green hardback. Here's some inspiration from the book. On the greyest of days in winter or when a work deadline means you can't leave your desk, houseplants provide a powerful tonic. Spending time in nature is essential for well-being and bringing the lush foliage of indoor plants into your home is a beautiful way to live more plantfully every day. Enriching your surroundings with nourishing greenery that can help you feel calmer, be more productive and even feel happier. There's such a quiet satisfaction to be gained from indoor growing. Getting to know each plant through the seasons, learning how to care for them, seeing them flourish, it's hugely rewarding. And people do get quite attached to their attractive house guests, with some even identifying on social media as plant parents. While not as labour-intensive as children, of course, indoor plants do need a surprising amount of nurturing to keep them healthy and happy, and even the keenest of houseplant enthusiasts will have a few casualties over the years. The reputed health benefits of indoor plants have been widely reported too, and people have engaged with the rather wonderful idea that their favourite spider plant might not just look beautiful, but could have secret superpowers for boosting their physical and mental health. Scientific research does back up the idea that these artful arrangements are more than just a photogenic interior design trend. Houseplants do have a meaningful and measurable effect on health and happiness. Studies have shown that even passive engagement with nature can be beneficial, such as looking at images of greenery or having a view of plants. And this is where houseplants may have an important role to play in our homes. Experts also recommend improving the view from your windows as a tonic for days when you have to spend a lot of time indoors. So if your kitchen window looks out onto a bare wall, for example, consider planting a green wall or using climbing plants in containers to add greenery. 
You can plant up window boxes, arrange pots on balconies or in front of patio doors. Anything you can do to ensure your windows frame views of lush green foliage and flowers as much as possible. I love that. I'm going to go around my house and see how I can bring even more green into each of my spaces. And so we come towards the end of this final episode for the year. Let's take in a lovely poem by Brenda Wells from her book Seasons of Poetry. This poem is called New Year's Eve. I would like to dedicate this to my mum for her advance help in preparing this season of the podcast for us. It must have been so difficult for her to know that she wouldn't be there to hear it. But what an absolute joy, a bittersweet joy, it has been to spend this time with her spirit and her memory and with you and the memories of your loved ones as we have approached this Christmas together. Here's the poem. We walk to the top of the hill to greet the new year, the night sky now dark, the deep velvet black of a lapwing's breast, a shimmer of frost in the air. Below, the valley looked small, lights of nearby villages signalled to us, each home a small glow breaking the darkness, welcoming in the new year with warmth, friendship and promise. The moment rich with thoughts of those who, while no longer with us, are remembered and still part of our lives. And here are a few words from Sunrise Gratitude by Emily Silver under the entry for December the 31st. As our minds reflect on the completion of another year, we focus on what we accomplished and our plans for the upcoming year. We take a moment this morning to bring awareness to the current moment. It's the only thing that matters. All your to-dos can wait. All you are planning will happen in due time. In this moment, offer yourself gratitude for getting to where you are today. You made it. Give gratitude for a year full of beauty, lessons and love. And on that note, I offer you our final writing exercise of the year. This is actually one of the exercises from my book, The Way of the Fearless Writer, which is actually just 99p for the Kindle edition on Amazon UK for the whole of January. So make sure you make a note in your diary for January the 1st and go and get yourself a copy. That's on Amazon UK. This exercise is a very simple one from the beginning of the book. Um, There are actually 50 exercises in this book um, of varying complexity. This is a simple one. I invite you to do it, um, to respond to it, either as the person you are today or perhaps as the person you hope you are becoming or maybe as a fictional person, you know, if you've got dreams of writing a novel in the year ahead. Are you ready? Here it is. Empty your pockets or your bag for me. Show me what you carry. Tell me a story about that. I do have a giveaway for you this week. This giveaway encourages a moment of quiet reflection as we move into a new year. I'm giving away a lovely journal along with a personalised signed copy of my book Wabi Sabi, Japanese Wisdom for a Perfectly Imperfect Life. You can enter over on Instagram at Beth Kempton. Good luck.
Now, what's coming up in the next few days? Well, I have a surprise for you. Although this is the last episode of the year, it isn't actually the last episode of the season because I realise that 2024 is a leap year. So we have a February the 29th. Obviously, this only happens once every four years. So we are blessed with a whole extra day on this incredible planet in this wonderful life. And I thought I would celebrate with a very special bonus episode called Farewell Winter. Because, of course, that day marks the threshold between winter and spring which arrives in March. So on that day, I'm going to release a very special bonus episode to bid farewell to winter and welcome the spring. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then it will pop up when it's released. Or of course, you can make a note in your diary to come back on February the 29th and tune in. It's going to be gorgeous. You can join my free tiny winter poem poetry challenge coming up on Instagram at Beth Kempton in early January. Um, I post a one word poem prompt every day for a whole series of days. Haven't decided exactly how long it's going to be yet, but it tends to be between 10 days and 21 days. Um, And the only rules are that you get 10 minutes and you're not allowed to edit. So it's really brilliant practice for taking on a word, letting it inspire a poem to just pop out of nowhere and then sharing it if you'd like to. That's on Instagram at Beth Kempton in early January. And of course, as I mentioned throughout January, my book, The Way of the Fearless Writer, is just 99p for the Kindle edition on Amazon UK. It includes 50 original writing exercises. So that's less than 2p for each exercise, plus an entire book to help you become a fearless writer. I share so many of um, my insights and my own practice and my own story of becoming a six-time published author. Um, Actually, it was five times because that was my fifth book. I've written another book since. Um, But it has been described by many people as a Bible for writers and it's a very unusual approach to writing. So I hope that you will get yourself a copy while it is just 99p. That's for the whole of January on Amazon UK. For those of you who have a dream of writing a book, which I know is many of you, I'm offering a free mini workshop on how to get a book deal this January. So you can go to dowhatyoulovefourlife.com to sign up for that or click on the link in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed the seasonality of this podcast and our explorations into this unfolding adventure that we call life, then be sure to come and subscribe to my Substack at bethkempton.substack.com where I'll be sharing essays on the turning seasons, the writing life, and navigating transitions as we go through this human adventure. All of it is free and Substack is an incredibly inspiring place. It was built for writers and people who like to read gorgeous writing, so you will find a lot of inspiration there. And you can find me at bethkempton.substack.com. So here we are. If you have listened to previous seasons of the podcast, you will know that one of my own New Year traditions is to read aloud The Desiderata by Max Ehrman, which was written in 1927, so nearly a hundred years ago, but it's still so relevant to life now. I wrote this out in my finest calligraphy hand when I was a teenager and I framed it and gave it to my parents for Christmas and it still hangs in my dad's kitchen three decades later. I think it's some of the most grounded, beautiful advice I've ever read. So let's soak it in one more time as we head toward the new year together. Desiderata. 
by Max Ehrman. Go placidly amid the noise and haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons, they are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labours and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Wishing you joy, adventure and unexpected blessings in the year ahead. I will see you again on February the 29th for our final special episode, our leap year farewell winter special. But until then, take good care, my friend. And thank you for walking this path towards the year end with me. You have been such good company. You have been listening to the Calm Christmas podcast with me, Beth Kempton, produced by Untapped Talent. If you have enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe so you get notified for that special episode and also when the podcast returns next year. In the meantime, come and find me on Instagram at Beth Kempton or on Substack at bethkempton.substack.com. Stay warm and cosy throughout the winter, my friend. This is the season of hibernation, remember. I am wishing you a happy new year and all sorts of goodness in the year ahead.